Hello, and welcome to Speaking Frankly. I'm your host, Janae Frank. This podcast is all about love, life, pain, and everything in between. Real talk for real people from a writer and life coach's perspective. It's done through storytelling, interviews, and plain old straight talk. This week's episode is titled, All That Glitters Ain't Gold. This season, all of the titles of my episodes are supposed to be book titles, but I wanted to go with All That Glitters Ain't Gold because it relates to so many things that I want to talk about today. But if you want a good book title, you want a good book that relates to building wealth and a wealth mindset, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That is an amazing, amazing book. And it talks about the traits of rich people versus the traits of poor people and really how wealth, building wealth, creating wealth is a mindset. It's how you think about things. It's about how you think about the world and yourself. So check that book out. But All That Glitters Ain't Gold is actually a statement that relates all the way back to Shakespeare. So obviously he didn't say ain't, but um, in the play, he was talking about how love is not always exactly what we think it is because it takes responsibility and obligation. The same way being financially independent, financially literate takes obligation and it takes discipline and it's not always easy, but it's something that we can all do if we educate ourselves. So in this week's episode, I want to talk about several things relating to a wealth mindset. I want to talk about avoiding certain pitfalls to avoid becoming poor. Um, And also I want to talk about entitlement and how people feel entitled to your money. You know, money is not the root of all evil. People are. And actually, it's not people. It's their greed, one of the seven deadly sins. So you're going to want to stay to the end because this is a good one. Let's get into it. Before I get into all what the experts say out there, the professionals, the financial advisors, I'm going to bring you on in and give you a couple of my secrets and speak very frankly with you. So check it out. This is how I build wealth and have built it for a long, long time. First and foremost is make sure that you pay yourself first. You know, it's very hard sometimes, especially when you're coming up and you're, you know, you're on the come up and you're making your way in the world. You pay your rent, you pay your bills, you pay this, this, that, and the third. And then what do you have left? make sure you're always putting something aside for yourself first before you pay everybody else. Now, don't pay yourself to the point where you can't pay other people, but if you just put something aside, I don't care if it starts out in life where you're taking $20 and you're putting it away into something. Um, For example, they have these apps out here called Robinhood and different things like that where you don't even have to physically take money and put it under your mattress or hide it in your drawer or put it in a savings account. You can literally go to the store. For example, go to CVS. You're buying your little stuff at CVS and then it says, you know, $5.19 is what you owe. So with this Robinhood app, what it does is you can determine how much you want to put into this account. And you could say round to the nearest dollar. So I pay my little five, 
dollars and 19 cents and then the rest of that money they round up to the nearest dollar goes into an account and you know you're really not supposed to touch that account but you'd be so surprised in even a year how much money you save you know just taking your change and putting it into an account so simple as that pay yourself first okay next thing is passive streams of income i know after COVID-19, post-pandemic, you know, so many people lost their jobs and were really struggling and trying to figure out what are they going to do. And, you know, if you're in a household where, you know, it's a one income household, um, you know, I've worked on and off all my life. We've had to pick up and move, pick up and move 25,000, times. And so, A lot of times I'm not working. My husband is the one who is always holding down the fort. And the idea of just having one income sometimes is kind of scary. So as, you know, the kids have gone off in life and we're empty nesters, I am now able to focus on myself and figure out what it is I want to do in life. And so this part in life, I am taking Um, everything that I love and I am also making money off of it. Okay. So what I mean by that is I have speaking, frankly, coaching service, my life coaching business, where I have my clients and I help them with love, life, pain, everything in between. And it also, most importantly, is also a tax write-off. So anytime you have a LLC, a business is a tax write-off and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, not only am I doing what I love to do and helping people, but I'm also creating wealth for myself and for my family. Um, Additionally, you know, I have my podcast that you're listening to right now. And also I'm a writer. So figure out what it is you love to do and turn that into making money for yourself. And when you love to do whatever it is you're doing, It doesn't seem like a job. So have passive streams of income. So for young people like first time home buyers, if you're buying a home, consider buying a duplex, you know, and then renting out the other side and then that can pay your mortgage. Um, Consider getting into real estate, buying property. You know, I'll never forget Oprah Winfrey, who is a billionaire, as we all know, once said, God ain't making no more land, y'all. So you know, that is one of the biggest things to create wealth. My dad taught me that. He owns property all over the world. He owns pecan orchards, all kind of interesting things. And it has always been a sound investment. So have passive streams of income, just not one job, because you never know when that one job is going to be up and gone. But if you have two and three side hustles, you're good to go and continue to pay the bills. And last but not least, make sure that you're protecting your wealth, whether that's with property insurance, health insurance, life insurance, and all kinds. Life insurance is such a game changer. It can literally create generational wealth. So look into getting a life insurance policy outside of your job, whatever they're offering look into that. I know jobs now, a lot of jobs don't have pensions like they used to have back in the day. It's 401k. Um, But back in the day, people used to do pensions and 401k. So, 
you know, look into life insurance as an option for building wealth. And a lot of times, particularly in the black community, people don't prepare for things like death. Um, they just don't. And then when uncle Earl dies and everybody's trying to figure out how are we going to bury uncle Earl and, you know, asking people to put money on the casket and the funeral and this, this, that, and the third, it doesn't make any sense. If y'all have tickets for Beyonce and traveling to Mexico and Jamaica, you got money for life insurance. So life insurance is definitely a wonderful thing into creating well, money is one of those things that can really create some beautiful things in your life. And at the same time, it can also create problems. So you know how they say more money, more problems. And that definitely can be true. And what I mean by that is people's expectations of you when you seem to amass a fortune or people think you're wealthy, people think you're rich, people think you have something to offer them. And the craziest thing in the world to me is how people begin to feel entitled to your money. Um, I grew up with two parents who, you know, came from Louisiana and didn't really have a whole lot. They came and they came up to Peoria, Illinois and created a life for themselves and created a family. I grew up upper middle class. Both of my parents have their bachelor's degrees and then later in life went and got their MBA and their master's degree in curriculum and instruction and education. Um, and they built everything that they had from the bottom up and they did it with absolutely no help. Not that anything is wrong with getting help from family or friends. So I am not saying that that is a problem. What I am saying is that I grew up with fiercely independent parents who didn't rely on their parents, family members, friends, or anyone else to build their fortune. They did it on the strength of their themselves and their sacrifices. So let me get on my soapbox for a little bit and just say one of my biggest pet peeves is seeing people who look at you, covet what you have, and think that you owe them something, but yet they don't make sacrifices and they're actually living a better life than you. Recently, a friend of mine was telling me about a cousin who had asked for money and then they gave her a large sum of money. They didn't know what she was doing with this money. And then what, what happens? They find out for Christmas that this cousin goes on a cruise and they've never been on a cruise. And they're thinking to themselves, huh, I guess that's, I can figure out what the money is for now. They went on a cruise with the money. So that really gets to me when people want things from you and they want to do things that you yourself don't even do. And I can tell you that I have worked hard in my life to get where I am today. So has my husband and so have my parents. And so when you see people making poor choices in their life, doing crazy things, not making sacrifices, buying things that are well out of their budget, don't come asking me for money because I am not going to be the empathetic one. You know, I once read that if you can't buy something, I want to say, was it three times over, then you probably can't afford it. So in that case, 
there are a whole lot of things out there that a lot of us people cannot afford, really. You know, we are robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it's just so sad. As I get older, I begin to not be as materialistic as I was coming up, you know, as far as with labels. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a nice handbag. I really, really do. But as well off as my husband and I are now at this point in life, I have to share with you a secret. My husband has never bought me a fancy handbag ever. He says that's like buying a couch and I'm not buying a couch because you know what? That's something he doesn't value and that's okay. My mama buys it for me. (laughs) And the funny thing about that is she can buy every bag that I have 20 times over And she herself doesn't own luxury bags because she just doesn't value it. So it's very interesting in life if you start checking out people, what they buy, what they put their money into, it can really tell you about their values. And at the end of the day, all that glitters ain't gold because we all know people out there. It looks like they always have the fancy car, the nice house, this vacation, that vacation, but what do they have in their savings accounts? Do they have money to send their kids to college? Do they have money in a crisis? And so that's what we are going to get into right now. There's an article on budgetingcouple.com that talks about seven bad habits that are keeping you poor. Dave Ramsey often says he has been broke, but he's never been poor. There's a difference between being poor and being broke, Ramsey said. Poor is a state of mind. Broke is I'm passing through. So I'm sure you've heard on all these, you know, different websites and on social media about wealth mindset and the whole nine yards. And wealth really is a mindset. Ever since I was a little girl, I feel like I have always had a mindset of money flows easily to me. I've never really been overly worried about money. I'm not going to say I've never worried about money, but I've never been overly concerned. I always felt like it flows to me easily and naturally. So if you don't feel that way, I suggest that you do affirmations. And I know a lot of people think that can be kind of crazy and way out there, but you have to speak it into your life in order to believe it. If you don't already believe it, you need to affirm it and say, wealth flows easily and abundantly into my life. And I say that on a regular basis. God will provide, the universe will provide, you know? Um, I also kind of have a mindset of easy come, easy go. And, And it's not always easy, but, you know, I just... I think the ease comes in and that I don't worry. I know that if I'm doing my part and I'm open and I'm giving, it's going to come back to me. And it always does. You know, um, I give and I don't worry about what people are doing with the money. Now, I'm not talking about these jokers out here who are using you. I'm talking about if you see somebody really down on their luck And they don't ask you for anything and you help them. It doesn't matter what they use that money for. You are going to be blessed by that. That's what I'm talking about. Now, when we're talking about family and friends who are just trying to use you, that's a whole nother topic. In fact, let me share a story with you now. This happened in college. I'm not going to say the person's name. I'm not going to give too many details, but I can tell you that money is the quickest way to ruin a relationship. At least for me, it is. 
I don't play about my money. I don't play about my family, my kids, or my money. And, um, you know, it's because I work hard for it and I don't feel entitled to what others have. Therefore, they shouldn't feel entitled to what I have. My friend and I, we used to share a lot together. You know, it would be one of those situations in college where she would get her Pell Grant money or she'd get whatever. And we were just living high on the hog and going out to eat. And then, of course, my parents gave me an allowance and helped me out. So when she didn't have anything, I was the one taking care of us. And we really didn't do the, you know, oh, you owe me and I owe you. It was really a sisterhood and taking care of each other until it started to become expected. And the moment that you start expecting and requiring things from people is the moment that things will go wrong. I'll never forget, my mother sent me a care package of a lot of different items. And she used to send my roommate a care package too. And the first time that she did it, my roommate felt a way about it. And it was the beginning of the end of a long slow process of her coveting what I got and feeling like she should have it too. And it actually kind of got like the movie Single White Female, where it was a situation where my mom was scared to send me things because she felt like, oh, is is she, is your roommate going to want this? Long story short, we graduate college, things had got weird over the years And I'll never forget, she asked me to take out a loan for a car that she wanted to get. And I was just like, a loan? No, you have horrible credit. I'm not taking out a loan because I know she's probably not going to pay it back. That's why the people won't give you a loan because you have bad credit. Therefore, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. But I can try to help you with cash. And at the time, we had both graduated college. I didn't have some huge paying job and neither did she. And it was so crazy. I remember giving her what I could give her. She asked other people to give her money. And guess what? She paid the other people back and not me because she felt that my parents could take care of me. Therefore, I didn't deserve to be paid back. And that, my friends, was the beginning of the end. It came down to a simple lack of respect. This individual believed that, oh, because you have parents that can help you out, then you don't need my help. You know, you're doing better than me in life. And in reality, I wasn't asking my parents for anything. I was paying all my bills 100% on my own and making my way in the world on my own. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you owe a billionaire money or if you owe a poor person money. At the end of the day, you owe money and you should try to pay people back the best way that you can and show respect. My parents have always told me, they're like, Janae, if somebody asks you to borrow money nine times out of 10, obviously they don't have the money. So if it's a friend and you want to keep the friendship, just give them the money and don't expect it back. And you know what? That's okay. I don't mind doing that. I'm a giving person. I'm a loving, generous person. I don't mind that. The part that I mind is the expectation, the obligation. No one owes you anything. And additionally, it comes down to priorities. So if this person is constantly getting their hair and their nails done and traveling, and they got a dog, an expensive dog, several dogs, and 
They're doing all these things that you yourself are not doing because you're sacrificing. You're being disciplined. You are making sure to stay within your budget and they are not. How in the world are they expecting you to take care of their lifestyle? That's the part that I don't understand. My last post on IG, follow me on Instagram at Janae D. Frank. Um, I put this, I, it's my own quote. It's nobody else's quote. I say, people see your success, but they don't see your sacrifice. And I go on to explain it. I said, nothing worth having ever comes without a price. Hard work, tenacity, and perseverance are necessary for the path to success and the ability to sustain it. People want success handed to them and they don't want the rejection hard work, and pain that comes with walking an extraordinary path. Living the life of your dreams is not for the faint of heart. Understand that there will be valleys of darkness. But if you keep the faith, keep going, believe in yourself, and most of all, put in the hard work, eventually you'll emerge on the other side of the tunnel and into the light. And I mean that. I also mean that you have to do your part. God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, at the end of the day, is working in your favor always, but you have to do your part and you can't expect handouts in this world. You can't expect other people to take care of you, especially when they're hustling. You know, people on social media, that's why I called this all that glitters ain't gold. They have their highlight reels out there of their lives, but you don't see the sacrifice. You don't see the late nights. You don't see the blood, sweat, and the tears for them to have gotten where they are today. And so many people, they just want what you have. They covet what you have. They're envious. You know, I want to get put on. I expect you to help me because, you know, you're living this certain lifestyle, but they don't realize that if they really knew the hard work that you're putting in, do they, do they even want it? Really? Do they even want it? I have a friend who once told me that, you know, they will give people anything in the world that they want, that they, that they want, but just don't expect it. Don't try to hustle me out of my money. Cause I see you coming a mile away every time. And so in essence, what I'm saying is people see your shine, but they don't see your grind and people have to make sure that their priorities are in the right place. And if they're not, you're really not helping people. You're not helping people at all. Getting back on track. So the seven bad habits that are keeping you poor. And the first one is stop making impulse purchases. So they're talking about Amazon, at least for me. They say this is a tough one. Sometimes the impulse is to go out for dinner because you're too tired to cook. Sometimes it's something cheap on Amazon. So that's what it is for me. And sometimes it's buying one extra cup of coffee for the day. None of these are expensive by themselves, but impulse buys, if left unchecked, will keep you in the poorhouse. So a good way to keep yourself from making impulse purchases is to put more steps between picking out an item and buying it. And what they mean by that is this. So when you're shopping online, that could mean leaving it in your cart for 24 hours before purchasing it. It could also mean price checking and looking for promo codes. So their pro tip is this, abandoning your cart for 24 hours sometimes gets you a promo code sent to your email. I know that for a fact because I did it today. I was buying something online and then I exited out of it and then all of a sudden it was like 20% off. 
So that is actual and that is factual. So um, there's so many things I look back on with Amazon and just think, really? Like, why did I buy that? It's nothing but boredom. Too much time on your hands, right? Get off of your computer. Get off of your phone. Number two is check your diet. So they said food is so expensive. So if you're eating more than necessary, it's costing you a lot to save money on food try counting your calories. By limiting your eating to what your body needs, you'll save money on food and get healthy. It's a win-win. I don't know about all that. You know, I'm not sure if I'm advocating for that. But what I do know is, you know, back in the days when we had, when our kids were younger, we ate out probably more so than we do now, which is so crazy because we're empty nesters. We could go out to eat every night. And instead I'm more conscious about cooking during the week and then going out on the weekends. And it does save a ton of money, especially now when you go to the grocery store and, you know, you don't have meat in your basket and things are over $100. For some reason, that just doesn't sit well with me. It just doesn't. Okay, number three is debt happens when you spend more than you earn. So kind of like I said, if you can't buy something a couple times over, you might really consider that you can't afford it. So he says, I get it. Sometimes there just ain't enough money. So what do you do? Charge your purchases to a credit card. You buy a home you really cannot afford. You buy a car that's out of your price range but you just can't live without it. You will remain broke and poor if you don't change your ways. Get that budget done. So for my husband and I, we're the type of people, at least back in the day we were, um, we kept a car forever. Um, nothing wrong with leasing a car. Anybody who leases a car, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but we bought our cars and we kept them. Um, and we weren't always worried about keeping up with the Joneses. We just weren't. We're keeping up with ourselves and what we can afford and what we can do. And um, it goes back to what you value. You know, people see you in a gorgeous, beautiful home, and then you might have a modest car. And then some people have a Lamborghini and they live in an apartment. And, you know, you really can't judge people, but. At the end of the day, if you're trying to build wealth, you have to understand what are assets and what are liabilities. And so in our life, early on, we understood what was assets to us and we made sacrifices and didn't try to keep up with the Joneses. And so that definitely worked for us. Okay, number four is you spend money blindly. So if you don't have a budget, it's like planning a trip across the country to a destination you've never visited and expecting to arrive without a hitch. If you have no clue how much you pay out in bills every month or how much you earn, then kiss getting ahead goodbye. It's not going to happen. Make a list of all your expenses um, when they're they're due. So um, it's kind of like the subscription thing. You know, you have all these subscriptions out here and half of them you aren't even using. You definitely have to make a budget and try to stick to that. Know what's going out, you know, and know what's coming in. 
As a relationship life coach, I talk to my clients about various things in their life. So it's not just relationships with their partners, their spouses, their families. It's also their relationships with their careers and most importantly, relationships with money. Um, you know, money can be one of those things in our life that can make us and it can break us. Um, money, if you're not equally yoked with somebody, it can create a lot of problems in a relationship. If you don't talk about, hey, once we get serious, once we get married, this is how we're going to handle our finances. This is how I was raised and this is what I expect moving forward. If you do not communicate, I'm telling you, money can be one of the biggest sources of stress in a relationship. And also there's kind of an etiquette to money. And especially now with Cash App and Venmo and Zelle and all these different things where it's not just straight cash that you're handing people, it's kind of money's out there in the ether and you can get it immediately. There's a different etiquette that I want to talk about. So following money etiquette means that in a relationship, you share your money, whether you keep some aspects of finances separate or combine them entirely you have to agree upon the plan. Secrets won't do either of you any good. So that's talking about in a relationship, like in a marriage, a partnership, something like that. But talking about money etiquette, just in general, I would like to speak on just personal experiences with money um, and people not paying you back. That just drives me crazy. So Say, for example, hypothetically speaking, you go on a girl's trip and everybody knows how much money they owe you, okay, the person who planned it. Do you think you pay somebody when the trip is over? No, you pay them either ahead of time or as soon as you see them, right? You give them the money. And for the love of me, I cannot figure out why people don't pay people their money, especially if you are asking for it. I had a situation last summer where I went on a trip and someone asked me to take care of transportation back to the hotel. And um, I gave them, I took care of the transportation. Okay, we're out of the country and I gave them euros. So the euro is worth more than the American dollar. When we get back to the hotel, instead of that person paying me back immediately, that person pretended like it never happened. So not only did I have to ask for my money back, not once, not twice, but three times, then the person tried to pay me in American money. No, I gave you euros. I expect to be paid back in what you gave me. Never ever, listen all you will, never ever get to the point where somebody has to ask for their money back. That is the biggest taboo out there. Okay, that's number one. Number two, do not expect that anyone owes you anything. And that even comes down to networking. I have seen it time and time again. As I get older and I'm no longer considered the niece, I'm more like an auntie, 
there's younger people out there that will see what you're doing, maybe look up to you as a mentor. And I'm all about loaning a hand, not money, but lending a hand and pulling them on up with me and helping them out. But let me tell you something. The minute that somebody expects something out of you is the minute that I will cut them off because nobody owes you anything. Um, Additionally, if all somebody is ever doing is asking, 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 and this might not necessarily be money. This could be asking for favors, asking, you know, can you hook them up with this? Can you hook them up with that? What are they doing for you? I always say in relationships that relationships should be mutually beneficial. Now, does that mean it's always transactional? No, that is not what I mean what I said is mutually beneficial. So about talking about mutually beneficial versus transactional. I think today in the culture, you know, young people today, what they think about everything, I'm going to match your energy and, you know, everything is just so transactional. If I give you this, then you give me that. Or if you can't do anything for me, I don't want to deal with you. And to think like that is really not beneficial, I can tell you. Mutually beneficial is understanding that a lot of times you're not going to get something back from every exchange that you have with someone. Sometimes people are going to not give you what you want. They're going to give you what you need. I know when my husband and I were trying to make our way into the world and get to the point we are today, so many of the older people in our lives or people we looked up to, people that we identified as mentors or people that we wanted to be like, they didn't give you something in the form of, I'm going to give you a check and I'm going to specifically do this. A lot of it was wisdom and we listened to that wisdom and they let us know the pitfalls that they had encountered and how to avoid those pitfalls. A lot of times it was just hooking you up with different people. I'd like to introduce you to this person. And then this person leads to that person and so forth and so on. So my advice to young people out there today that are trying to make, the, make their way in the world, build wealth and create a life for themselves is to understand that everything is not transactional, that you're not always going to get back what you put out, you know, and You'll get back things as long as you're authentic and you're staying true to yourself and, you know, you're going to get it back. You're going to get it back, but you have to make sure that you're staying true to yourself. I have a friend who is probably one of the best networkers I know at home. She's about 10 years younger than me and she stays true to herself. And that's why I love her so much. And I would do anything in the world for her. She doesn't she's not phony. She's not fake about it. She doesn't like to talk on the phone and that's okay. You don't have to do things that you don't want to do, but make sure you stay connected to people. And she does. She stays connected to me on social media. She sends me funny memes all the time. And that's one of our biggest connections is our humor. And so I would just implore young people out there who are listening to this episode to understand that you have to stay connected in an authentic way with people that you are wanting something from. You can't just 
go ghost for, you know, forever and then come out of nowhere with 50 million requests. It just is not a good look. So make sure you're staying connected with people in the way that you best feel comfortable and that it's authentic. And, you know, it's okay to network and, and maneuver and the whole nine yards, but make sure you're not doing it in a sleazy way. Make sure you're doing it in the right way and understanding you're not always going to get something, you know, it might just be advice. Um, there's an article on LinkedIn last but not least that talks about networking and it talks about don't go at it alone. So despite what we read about financially successful people from Oprah to Bill Gates to teen pop stars, they didn't go at it alone. They had people around them, oftentimes one or two key people. If you've been told, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you'll succeed, you know that's pretty tough to do it all by yourself. They said their own experience and research has told them that traditional views on how people got rich going at it alone or individualism, as they call it, just isn't true. And it's not true. You know, you need a village, you need a tribe, and you need to build that, but you have to build it in the right way. If you build things on a house of cards, it will always crumble. Um, the next one is fear will hold you back. When we think about it, that we have to go at it alone, we often get fearful and anxious. This can be the case with investing, starting a business, or getting uh, climbing the corporate ladder. So we all know what it's like to climb the corporate ladder. It's, it's not an easy thing to do, but if you identify people who can help you, mentors, and can show you the way. For example, my research found that 53% of Americans wanted to start a business, but they felt anxious about venturing out on their own. Why? It's fear, being alone, failing. But yet 56% said that they would be less fearful if they could learn to use the people and organizations around them to help them succeed. In other words, effective networking. And then last but not least, they talk about millionaires leverage their networks better. The research found that millionaires actually do tap into their networks more effectively. This isn't about just going to some fancy club that costs $50,000 a year to hang out with other ultra-rich people. No, the wealthy use their people, places, and resources around them. Think of your business contacts or relationships, your friends or family members, your coworkers. What about your alma mater, your gym, professional association, or even your place of worship or other spiritual outlet? And then it talks about a graph shows that millionaires benefited tremendously from all of these elements right in their network. Yet oftentimes we forget we have them right at our fingertips. So the gist of the article is basically breaking it down. You can be one of the smartest people in the world. You can have gone to one of the best schools in the country. But at the end of the day, it doesn't always come down to who's the smartest, the strongest, the fastest, whatever. Sometimes it comes down to who you know. So a part of building wealth is building your network. And then last but not least, I wanted to touch upon a topic 
that a lot of people I think don't really or haven't fully really accepted. And it's the concept of money being energy and that money and building wealth and abundance is a mindset. And you have to have a mindset of money flows freely to me. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to have affirmations, whether you're saying it out loud, writing it down, but that money flows naturally to me. And that's how I have always felt in this world is that it comes to me naturally, easy, easily, and abundantly. So I want to leave you with this. And it says, one of the most mind-expanding concepts about money that I've ever learned is that money is just energy. It's only once you start thinking about it as energy that you'll begin to understand its true nature. And what I feel about that is whatever you're putting out there into the world, you are going to get that back to you. And so if you are constantly out there trying to help people, that is going to come back your way. If you are, you know, with this scarcity mindset and constantly fearful and holding on to it, you know, it's not going to come back to you in that way. You have to give freely, but smartly. Um, you have to network and not only that, you have to have self-discipline. You know, if you're not putting in the hard work and doing your part and taking action, then you can write all the affirmations down in the world that you want to, but you actually have to take action. So I'm going to leave you with this quote. It's an anonymous quote, and it says, if you want to know how rich you are, find out how many things you have that money cannot buy. At the end of the day, money doesn't mean anything if you aren't happiness. And can money buy happiness to a certain degree? Well, there's a lot of people that would say, yes, it can. And then there's a whole lot of rich people that will tell you, you know, it can buy you monetary things, but at the end of the day, is it going to buy you love? Is it going to buy you joy? Is it going to buy you peace? So that are, those are the most important things in the world. So that leads me to say that all that glitters ain't gold. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to tune in next week and speak frankly always. Take care. Signing off your life coach and writer, Janae Frank. Bye-bye. I wanted to do a little PS, a little postscript so that I don't get in trouble because I think I was speaking too frankly. Earlier in the episode when I said that my husband doesn't buy me luxury handbags, yes, that is true. However, he does buy me cars, houses, and most of all, couches. And he pays the cars off and the couches in full as to not create debt. <laughs> so if you didn't get anything else out of this episode, get this. Money doesn't make you and make sure that material items don't break you. Thank you again for listening to this week's episode, All That Glitters Ain't Gold. You can find the Speaking Frankly podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and all other platforms that host podcasts. Also, make sure you check me out on my website, JanaeFrank.com, where you can subscribe to my blog. It's also called Speaking Frankly. 
I write about love life pain and everything in between. And last but not least, you can click on the coaching tab and get a free 30 minute discovery call with me to find out if life coaching is for you. So make sure you speak frankly, always signing off your life coach, Janae Frank.